I was so not prepared for postpartum. And this is coming from someone that has researched so much. Welcome to the Happy Home Birth Podcast, your source for positive natural childbirth stories and your community of support, education, and encouragement in all things home birth and motherhood. What happens when birth goes well, but postpartum throws you for a loop? Hey there, happy home birthers, and welcome to episode 224 of the Happy Home Birth Podcast. I'm your host, Caitlin Fusco, and today we're speaking with Caitlin Cooper, a first-time mom to her four-and-a-half-month-old son named Luke. Caitlin and her husband have been married for five years, and they live in Hagerstown, Maryland, about an hour and a half away from D.C. and Baltimore. Caitlin will be sharing the rawness of her pregnancy, her labor, and deeply important to her, her postpartum experience. Now, before we jump in, and especially in light of the conversation that we're having today, I want to bring up the way that I support mothers in preparation for home birth. So often, we focus so heavily on our birthing experience. Childbirth education focuses on getting you, quote, to the finish line, and having your baby. But as you'll hear from Caitlin's story, giving birth isn't the finish line, it's merely the beginning. When I created both Happy Home Birth Academy and the Home Birth Collective, my heart was set on preparing mothers for home birth, yes, but also for the vastness that is postpartum. So often we, myself included, walk into postpartum having absolutely no idea what's greeting us on the other side. But it doesn't have to be that way. We can prepare. We deserve to have access to this type of information. Inside of my childbirth education programs, I make sure that mothers know what to expect and know how to receive help. Because I was drowning during my first postpartum experience, and I never want that for any other mother. As you consider how you'll prepare for your birth and postpartum, I pray you'll consider Happy Home Birth Academy or the Home Birth Collective. My heart's desire is to serve you and your family deeply. And as a special token for listening to this podcast, I've got a 10% discount code for you. Use the code PODCAST at checkout for 10% off today. Okay, let's jump into the episode. Please remember that the opinions of my guests may not necessarily reflect my own and vice versa. And this show is not medical advice. It's an educational tool. So continue to take empowered responsibility for your health and your family. Caitlin, thank you so much for coming on the Happy Home Birth Podcast. I'm so happy to be here. Ah, I'm so excited to have you. Would you mind taking just a moment here in the beginning to introduce yourself to the listeners? Sure. So my name is Caitlin. I live in Hagerstown, Maryland with my husband of five years, um, along with my firstborn son and our dog, Urban, who's an Airedale and two ragdoll cats. Um, And I work from home as a project manager and my husband is a superintendent for construction. So he travels a lot. So I'm based at home. Wow. Very interesting. Okay. And so you have, you've got your firstborn son. How old is he? He's four and a half months now. Oh my word. 
And I'm sure it's just flying by. Uh, well, I'm really excited to hear your experience with your son, both, you know, the pregnancy, your birth, and then also postpartum, what's been going on. Um, so would you like for us to just start at the beginning? You want to tell me kind of what it was like becoming pregnant? Sure. So um, my husband and I started trying in 2020 in February, and I thought I was going to get pregnant right away. No problems. And a year went by and the pregnancy test was constantly negative and it was really, really hard. Um, we ended up going to Shady Grove Fertility and we were able to conceive then a year later. So it was two years total of infertility that ended up being completely unexplained. Um, so that was kind of the road for us. So after one IUI, <laughs> that was, we, we got Luke. So it was pretty amazing in that way. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So that was a lot of time, you know, that was a lot of time and I'm sure a lot of desire for the specific outcome of becoming pregnant. What was it like when you finally were pregnant? So I fell pregnant about a month after my brother passed away. Wow. So it was so mixed. So it was just total elation. And then it was when I first saw the pregnancy test, I just fell to my knees and I prayed. I said, Lord, I can't, but you can, you, I can't go through any more loss. And I need, I need you to just step in and take over. And I surrender this pregnancy and my health and the health of my baby to you. And the words I heard in the bathroom on the floor was you are going to have a healthy baby boy. And I just sunk into that. Oh, Caitlin, not fair to begin crying in the first three minutes. <laughs> um, yeah, so I experienced depression and anxiety in my first um, couple months of being pregnant. And it was so hard. It was the hardest thing I've ever gone through. Um, I sought therapy, thank God. <laughs> I sought my faith. Um, and I knew that through my brother's death, he was only 39. Um, he died of an aortic dissection. It was very sudden and quick. And there was something about this birth that was really redemptive and knowing that, and it's so cool, we're in Easter season. So one of the songs was Graves into Gardens. That's what I kept hearing was this redemption birth of, of Luke. Um, so yeah, that first trimester was really, really rough. Gosh. And just thinking about what's going on physically in the first trimester and then adding all of the emotional, spiritual um, mental, that just, that is a really, really intense period. Um, so I'm so glad that you did seek out the resources that you needed. Um, and what was the, what was the remainder of your pregnancy like? So finally, after I got over the excessive saliva, which I didn't know was a symptom of pregnancy, um, that was rough. The morning sickness was rough. Um, 
about halfway through my second trimester, I was feeling really good and I started exercising and that was amazing for my mental health. Um, and of course, this whole time I was seeing my midwife, um, Amy, bless her heart, love her. Um, so we always chatted about just how I was feeling. Like that was a really important part of our, um, of our appointments is how I was doing emotionally, how I was handling things. And like I said, I, I walked a lot of miles, probably close to 70 miles in my pregnancy. Mm-hmm. And I felt really good. Like that was amazing. <laughs> Wow. Yeah. So, okay. It sounds like you knew from the beginning that you were going to give birth at home. Is that correct? Yeah. I had two years to think about it and to study it up and listen to your podcast and hear birth stories. And I was like, "Uh, I'm not going to wait for the first one to end up traumatic. Let's just do it. Mm, (laughs) Let's just do it at home. I love that. That's so incredible. So, so by the time that you had become pregnant, did you already have a good idea of, okay, this is the midwife I want to work with, or was that something that you went through an interview process with at that time? Um, I did have an interview process. I found Amy, she was super close. So she's, um, owns Red House Birth and she's about eight minutes away from my house. So I really appreciated that. And my first appointment with her was just tears (laughs) at, you know, just a few weeks pregnant and kind of walking through her through what I was going through and the support was amazing. Mm. Um, and I was second guessing whether I wanted to do a home birth because you prepare and then you're pregnant and it's real deal. Um, so there was some hesitation to the point where I made an appointment. And I remember Amy saying to me, sometimes Pitocin and an epidural is what you need to get the baby out. And I was thinking to myself, Caitlin, we did not go this far. The Lord did not lay this on your heart to turn around now. Let's, let's not operate and make decisions out of fear. Let's operate out of faith. I love that. I canceled that OB appointment. (laughs) Just kidding. I had to make it, but just had to cancel it again. That's perfect. Wow. Okay. So let's hear, you know, as you, so you began walking, you're, you're exercising throughout your pregnancy. As you get towards the end, what are things like for you? I felt surprisingly comfortable. Um, I met with a hypnotherapist and she created a meditation track just specifically for me and for home birth. So I was listening to that subconsciously picking up that everything was going to be fine. And I was happy with it. Third trimester, I was big, I was uncomfortable, but I was still seeing the chiropractor. Um, I had seen the chiropractor since 12 weeks and so thankful for this podcast for saying, Hey, this is something that you should do. <laughs> Cause that was absolutely amazing. I didn't have pain, um, during that time. And that was something that was a pleasant surprise about the third trimester. Um, I gained a lot of weight, <laughs> I've gained about 50 pounds, um, But my midwife didn't have any problem with it and didn't have any issues with gestational diabetes. And um, it was nice to not have the you can only gain 30 pound conversation. Um, That would have been a bit stressful, considering that I was eating so that I wasn't feeling ill. (laughs) And also because you're you're growing a baby. So (laughs) it's kind of like a big thing. (laughs) 
it's kind of one of those things that requires a lot of nourishment. So there you go. There you have it. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. So you are taking care of yourself. You're getting chiropractic care. You're eating well. You're visiting your midwife. You're listening to your hypnosis specifically for you, which I think is the coolest thing in the world. Um, and then what's going on? Um, what's going on in terms of actually going into your birthing time? How did that unfold? What did it look like? So I want to describe to you what I felt. And this description was after listening to so many birth <laughs> podcasts, birth stories, YouTube, Ina May, gentle birthing, every single explanation of what contractions felt like did not, was <laughs> not how I felt. I didn't realize, but the night before I gave birth, I was having what I thought were gas pains. So I took a gas X and it was a little rhythmic and <laughs> on and off that whole night before. And looking back on it, it cracks me up because in a way it was for me, God's protection so that it would keep me from being anxious. Because when you just chalk it up to gas pains, it's like, oh, this isn't, this is our contractions. We're good. Slow gas. So How far along were you at that point? Like I was 39 and seven. <laughs> he was born on <laughs> his due date. <laughs> right, right, got it. <laughs> um so <laughs> just some 39 it. and 7 gas. It's fine. <laughs> like this is a lot of pressure. My midwife makes fun of me so bad about that. I'm like, that's what it felt like. Um so the next day and all day I was feeling on and off pressure, but I was just relaxing, which was the greatest thing I possibly could have been doing. I was watching the crown, eating ice cream with my mom and just fully relaxed that whole day. Um, I lost a little bit of what looked like the beginnings of my mucus plug. I called my midwife, which is also a great thing about home birth is you can just call your midwife if you have any concerns or if anything happens. And she's like, okay, um, you know, this could happen two weeks or a couple hours before labor. So thanks for letting me know, but you know, just go back to normal. So it wasn't until around six o'clock that evening, I went out to a restaurant to celebrate my aunt's birthday. And I started to have the gas pains again. And then it started wrapping around my back. And I looked at my husband and I said, I think this is early labor this is rhythmic. <laughs> so we kind of cut out early, went home and I must've just known that something was changing and shifting. Cause I brought my purse out and I had a transfer bag. Um, one of the best things that me and Amy, my midwife discussed was the plan A, plan B, plan C. And for me, I'm anxious I needed to know every single plan. I needed to know that it was okay in case of a transfer. So I have my bags packed in hopes that I would never have to use them. And I didn't. So um, decided to get a shower and I prayed in the shower. I said, um, Lord, you know, I can't, you can. Um, if this is real, make it strong make it happen quickly and let's do this. 
Um, and just prayed that like confidence, God confidence over my body. Um, and I tried to go to sleep that night. Didn't <laughs> woke up around 1130 and started timing. Um, and I called my doula and my doula did not answer. I called her again. No answer. Now it's like, Oh man. So we called my midwife and she's like, just try to relax, go back to sleep. And I'm thinking like, who knows what this is going to turn into. This could be ours. This is my first, first baby. So I went back to sleep, tried to, and they started to get more and more intense where I could feel, and I know this is what the listeners want, (laughs) intense pressure. Um, and you could start to kind of feel it rise and you could feel that you needed to kind of brace yourself to kind of prepare for it. Cause you've got this massive energy kind of radiating through your body. And at no point did I feel that it was painful. I just felt pressure. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't scared. I wasn't nervous. I was prepared. I knew what this was. And it was exactly what my body was supposed to do. And that was so comforting. Um, So I have my husband there and he's timing and um, we call my midwife again at 1.30. She can hear me kind of going through things. So she decides to come over. And at this point, I'm vocalizing and I'm like thinking in the back of my mind, I think I'm a little bit further along than I thought I was. (laughs) So... She comes over, she checks me, but we made a decision that she wouldn't tell me how far along I was. So I didn't know at the time, but I was already at a six. And that was pretty amazing. Um, I think, let's see, I have my notes here, which is awesome. So a backup midwife arrived, Liz Renner, bless her heart. She stepped right in and was my doula. Um, she was there. And as I kind of progressed, I needed to get out of hands and knees. That was not comfortable. And I was having a lot of back pressure. So I needed a lot of counter pressure on my back from my husband, pretty much. And this was about every two or three minutes. Um, so I got into the birth pool, thankfully. And so I was in there for maybe like 40 minutes. And Liz says, Hey, Caitlin, you haven't peed in a while. You want to go try? And I knew what this was. <laughs> this was the moving groove of the toilet contractions and labor. And oh my God, I have never felt that kind of pressure in my entire life. I was vocalizing at that point a lot. And my husband said I sounded like Ric Flair. So I was going, woo. <laughs> So a couple of minutes on the toilet and I needed to move because it was just too, it was too intense and I, I missed the water. So I, between contractions, which I think at this point were only maybe a minute and a half or two minutes long, I knew that as soon as one ended, I needed to motivate myself to get out of the bathroom. Thankfully, the bathroom was uh, adjacent to the birth pool. However, halfway there, I lost my mucus plug and I almost just, you know, 
it's very difficult to stand upright <laughs> whenever you're in active labor. Um, and I was really close to giving birth at that point. Um, so I lost my mucus plug and my midwife was totally geeking out over it because, you know, not every birth you get to see that. And it, <laughs> she thought it was very cool. I don't know. Pretty cool. Pretty cool. <laughs> So I ended up getting back into the birth pool and I pushed for like an hour. It felt like forever. And I was trying different positions on my back and on my knees. And I remember looking up and Amy said, we're not saying anything, Caitlin, because you're doing exactly what you need to do. And I reached for her hand and she was there to offer that support. And she's like, you are doing so amazing. This is not the call I expected tonight because I was only 40 weeks. So what we noticed is at the time I was 10 centimeters, I could feel the head and it was just a lot to push. And it just, pushing was a lot harder than I thought it was going to be. Um, and it took me a long time. Um, so I finally feel the head, the head's born and I hear my midwife say cord wrap. I didn't hesitate and I just didn't wait for the next contraction and pushed. And he had a triple cord wrap so tight that she could barely put her finger through. And then when we finally unraveled him under the water and, and I lifted him up, he even had a cord wrapped around his shoulder Oh my gosh. So I laid him on my chest and there's no cry. And I remember, I don't know if any of the listeners are familiar, but the midwife voice, that friend voice turns to midwife voice and it got intense. Um, he needed resuscitation. She gave him some midwife kisses, um, <laughs> mouth to mouth. And then she put the bag on him. His, um, tone and everything started to improve, but his initial APGAR score was five. Mm. And I remember hearing the Lord say, trust in what I promise you. He's a healthy baby boy. So I got out of the pool and they were working on him and he was improving. There was, you know, respiratory effort and his tone was improving. His color started to improve and he just didn't want to cry. <laughs> Um, they ended up giving him a homeopathic and even did like a thermometer up his bum to try to ruse him. Yeah. And what homeopathic did they give? Do you know? I knew you were going to ask this and that's <laughs> well, why I mean, I'm mean, i obsessed. <laughs> <laughs> I was prepared. Uh, let me pull it up. Sue, she used carbo veg. Okay. C-A-R-B-O-V-E-G. Mm-hmm. All right. Very cool for, to stimulate him. Mm -hmm. And it worked. Um, and the cool thing was, is he was on me except for whenever he was being bagged, he was on me the whole time. Um, so that was really a huge relief and he did start to improve. Um, and yeah, he, he was healthy seven pounds. I think he was like 17 inches, 20 inches actually it was super long. And we took a look at my cord and my lance, that umbilical cord was so long. And that was, that was the reason for the, the cord wrap, but birth was pretty, the placenta came and it was 
very straightforward and amazing birth. And I would pray that every first time mom had that opportunity. It was amazing. Wow. That's incredible. And how did you feel like as the mother, you know, experience, well, number one, experiencing um, that situation immediately postpartum where your baby needed some stimulation, he needed some resuscitation. How did that feel in the moment? In the moment I was calm. It was after that ah. it, I needed to process. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I, I had a good long cry about it because it was, it was very scary and no one wants to see their baby taken away immediately and needing to have resuscitation. There was a certain part of me that was prepared from this podcast and from my midwife saying, you know, sometimes babies need a little help and that's okay. Um, and that gave me reassurance. If I had never heard that, oh my goodness, I probably would have been really worried in the moment. Gotcha. That's a good point. I'm I'm glad that you that you bring that up, and that you bring up that processing later on. That that's so necessary, and for us to experience something and then not to, I don't know. I feel like sometimes what can happen is, especially with so much going on, we have this experience and then we just kind of bury it. But to actually be able to kind of move through it, cry <laughs> if we need to cry, grieve what we need to grieve, and uh, and be okay with that. That's that's really huge. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So you have this really incredible birthing experience. I'd love for us to dip our toes into postpartum. (laughs) We're going to dive in. Um, I was so not prepared for postpartum. And this is coming from someone that has researched so much. (laughs) I was not um, prepared at all. Um, I hated the newborn stage. So I just want to get that out there that not every mom loves that. Um, and you're not alone. And if it's really hard, please don't be surprised because <laughs> I just did not have any idea how hard it was going to be. So you flash forward, the midwives leave about four hours after baby's here. And you are left to breastfeed on your own after home birth. You are left to take care of yourself after your body and your bleeding after home birth. You're taking responsibility and your husband essentially becomes, you know, nurse. If that's the person that you've decided to do this with looking back, I would have absolutely hired a nurse for at least 48 hours. Um, I don't think that's really discussed a whole lot in the home birth, um, community, but I think that for someone that's first time, um, that help in the hospital that I've heard about does sound really nice to have a nurse take you, help you to the bathroom so that your husband can care for the baby. It was very overwhelming and it hurt. I had a second degree tear. Um, and I had a giant hemorrhoid. I didn't know what a tux pad was. I had them, didn't know how to use them for the listeners. You act, it's like a circular piece fabric. It's folded and you chuck it in your bum. So if you have a hemorrhoid, that's what you do. I didn't know that. <laughs> Learned all this at the time. Um, I thought I was prepared for breastfeeding. I was not. 
looking back, I would have hired a lactation consultant before I gave birth to check out my nipples, which were inverted. Um, so I had a very difficult time nursing him. He also had a tongue and a lip tie. Um, and it just would have been really nice to have that extra help um, at home. And I did hear a lot of other folks that go to the hospital and they have that lactation consultant. And not every time is that a bad experience. Sometimes it's really helpful to have someone there that's, you know, helping you kind of figure it all out. Um, and especially the first two days, because for me, I woke up in the middle of the night, the first night he was born and feeling a lot of anxiety because I'm reeling from this experience that was just out of body, otherworldly. And I've got this baby here that's helpless. I don't, he's sleeping a lot, but I'm thinking I need to wake him up to feed him. I'm not quite sure what I'm doing as far as feeding him. I'm hoping he's eating. Um, what about his poopy diapers? Ow, I really hurt right now. There's so much that's happening all at one time that it is very difficult. Very. Mm. Yeah, that is a lot when you put it that way. <laughs> and really considering that, um, I don't know, the, the transition from liminality, you know, being in this otherworldly place, being pulled back down into your body, and then here, care for this newborn. That's a lot. That is, that's a real big shift when we think about it. Yeah, absolutely. Um so my milk finally came in like the third day. And between that time, I was having to pump and syringe feed colostrum. And that was really difficult. Um, I look back and I'm like, my goodness, if I would have just supplemented, I may have been able to save my breastfeeding journey. And about two weeks in, I'm, I am just giving it my all. I feel like in this community, sometimes it's like all or nothing with breastfeeding and oh my gosh, if I could go back and hug myself and say, you do not have to do this this way. It is not all or nothing. You can supplement. It's okay. And I ended up getting mastitis. That was extremely painful. Um, I had a scab over my nipple. I had a lot of trauma there. Um, and he was just so unhappy. He wasn't being fed. <laughs> he just, he was starving. Um, so looking back, I would have had a lactation consultant and I would have had someone say, it's okay to supplement and maybe save a little bit of my journey. So after two weeks, I wasn't able to breastfeed anymore. My supply dropped significantly from mastitis and I contacted one of the ladies from the Leche League because I attended two of the meetings before I gave birth. And she said, Caitlin, you've done everything that you can do. And no one would blame you if you weren't able to do this. And I needed to hear that so bad. <laughs> I did everything I could to breastfeed that boy. Wow. Fast forward and we're formula feeding. And guess what? He's fine. <laughs> he's totally fine. And he's fed and he's healthy. And uh, if I could go back and hug every mom that has those hard, hard times, 
waking up in the middle of the night and trying to breastfeed and feeling that pain because that was the only time I felt a lot of pain was breastfeeding, not labor. Wow. Oh man. I, I feel like what you are sharing, um, this, this early postpartum, um, and the, the resources, I, I do feel like there is such a disconnect and in our preparation a lot of times yes we are focusing 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 on giving birth and that is massive it's so critical but yeah this postpartum piece is also massive and if we can gather our resources like if we can recognize like oh here are the here are the potential issues that are going to arise and then gather resources for that then there can be more support because wow i hear exactly what you're saying in this terms of like i felt left for dead like i just i had nothing i didn't know what to do i didn't have the support that i needed i would not be surprised to hear that a lot of moms agree with exactly what you're talking about and I think it's so important to be real because I was talking to my cousin and I was like, I really want to be positive about this. And she said, Katie, Caitlin, like you told me that you wanted to be honest mm-hmm. and that that's what you needed to hear. And so that's, I feel like my responsibility <laughs> to share that it was the hardest thing I've ever gone through in my entire life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because you want to be a good mom. (laughs) So there's a ton of pressure there. Um, Yeah. And it's new. Like it's also completely brand new. So it's like, what am I even like, what does that even mean to be a good mom? What does this even look like? How, how do I do this? Right. Exactly. Um, I did want to share a little bit about my postpartum anxiety and kind of my symptoms that I experienced, but I wasn't super hungry and that kind of made me a little nervous because I was always told, oh, you're ravenous after birth. I was tired and I wasn't hungry at all. And I was feeling anxious about this new baby. I needed to take care of this new life. And I really couldn't walk very well (laughs) for the first couple of days. Um, You know, everything kind of is adjusting and moving. And before you get up, I had to check to make sure my uterus was where it needed to be. And, you know, that was a lot to do right off the bat and on my own um, and to watch for bleeding and things. You're worried about yourself and you're also worried about your newborn at the same time. And that's, that's just so much. Um, That's heavy duty. So in addition to not having an appetite, I was also not sleeping and this isn't the normal not sleeping. This is when I had an opportunity to sleep, I couldn't fall asleep. I couldn't relax my body enough to feel that I could sleep. And that was a big sign too, that maybe this is a little bit more than normal blues after baby. This is this sounding more like postpartum anxiety. So I went to the doctor and upped my, my dose of sertraline and I was able to sleep. Things started to turn around. I stopped breastfeeding. I started to formula feed my son. And I felt so relieved. I didn't want to feel relief, but I felt so relieved. And that was whenever I realized that 
motherhood is like being a lymph noodle. You just got to go with the flow. Everything you expected (laughs) may go out the window, but it's okay. And here you are four and a half months later. Where, Where are you now? What is your journey like at this point? It's a lot better. I've given myself a lot of grace. Um, I've allowed myself to work part-time instead of full-time. Um, still going to therapy and hypnosis and seeing my doctor. And I've also started doing pelvic floor therapy, which has been amazing. If you're peeing yourself, just look into it. Um, it's a muscle. It can be repaired. And it's a beautiful thing to not be paying poise any more money. They don't need our money. <laughs> <laughs> Amen to that. That is, that's, it's one of those common, not normal. Like, yes, we can, we can heal this. Yeah, absolutely. So in all of this, I look back and I'm like, I can do anything. <laughs> I've been through so much. I can do literally anything. What is that that I can't do? I've birthed my child in my bedroom. <laughs> we survived the first couple months. Um, and that in and of itself is to be rewarded and to really just sink into. Yeah. I think that what you are sharing is is so beautiful in especially in this sense of integration of being able to integrate our experience into ourselves, into our motherhood in the most loving and supportive light that we can. Because you have the option, we have the option. Like as human beings, we have the option to take information and decide how we want to use it. Am I going to be dogmatic and be frustrated with myself because X, Y, and Z didn't happen the way I expected? Or am I going to see the valor and the bravery of my experience and then take that forward? What am I choosing to take forward for my family? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, And it was so important to have other friends that were in this boat with me. I I kind of related akin to... (laughs) Lord of the Rings, whenever they're up the mountain and they're just trudging through it, but they're together. So that those friendships of, of new moms that are in the same realm as me have been tremendously helpful and beautiful relationship, whether we breastfeed or we don't, whether we had the same issues or not, we support one another because we're the best moms that we can be for our babies. And that is amazing. And also having moms in your life that have been around the block, (laughs) that is also incredible to have your community of women that have been down these roads before um, to remind you that it doesn't last forever and that you're going to be okay. Oh man, I love it, Caitlin. Thank you for sharing this other aspect, this this very uh, needed reminder that we do need support postpartum. Um, and 
and so much of this can come in pregnancy if we realize, oh, you know, it's not just about giving birth. That is the start. <laughs> that is not the end. We are going to be transitioning this into something very big, something very new, very different. Uh, and seeking that support in our specific areas in Greenville, South Carolina versus where you are. We're going to have different support, but finding out what that is ahead of time and then being quote overly prepared. Let's over prepare. Like let's be as prepared as we possibly can. Just like you mentioned with your, your hospital bag, like, did you need it? No. Did you have it? Yeah, so there was a comfort in that. So let's be overly prepared with all of the resources that we may need so that if it arises, hey, like, perfect, I have a phone number for this. I can, you know, I can seek this support in the way that I need. Um, I think that is just such a beautiful reminder that is so incredibly helpful. I'm happy to use my story to help other first-time mamas and even repeat mamas that don't forget about postpartum. It's, it's kind of a big deal. <laughs> it lasts forever. <laughs> no, just, no, no biggie. Caitlin, this has been so, so helpful. I can't thank you enough for coming on the Happy Home Birth Podcast. Oh my gosh, it's been awesome, Caitlin. Thank you. I am so grateful for Caitlin's rawness and real insight into her experience. What a helpful story to wrap our minds around. As we jump into today's episode roundup, I could talk about all of the possible resources that you have at your disposal and should consider while you're pregnant. But we would be here all day and you can certainly find that information inside of both Happy Home Birth Academy or the Home Birth Collective. Instead, I want to take just a moment to shed light on a few lesser-known options that are fabulous for that immediate postpartum. If you're currently pregnant, consider finding a craniosacral fascial therapist in your area, if at all possible. Fascial restrictions are behind so much of the postpartum struggle. For baby, yes, but for mothers too. For mothers, our fascia is so deeply tied to our nervous system. If we're feeling stressed out and anxious and overwhelmed, finding a CFT practitioner can do so much to help us find balance. And for babies, oh my goodness. Let's not forget that they've been in quite a confined space for quite a while. If there's one thing I could give to every baby, it would be a CFT session within hours or days of their birth. This can be so helpful in terms of breastfeeding struggle, and it's generally unknown. Any type of fascial body work can be amazing, but I know the specific benefits of CFT for myself and my family, so I am happy to take a moment to shout it from the mountains. There is a Facebook group where you can search for someone local to you, and I will be sure to put that in the show notes. And I want to end with this. If you are struggling, you are not alone. Don't allow yourself to sink into isolation. Reach out for support in whatever way you feel will be best for you. But please do not be made to feel alone or strange for your experience. There are so many people who would love to support you through this postpartum transition. Okay, my friends, that is all that I've got for you for today. I'll see you back here next week.
Thanks for listening to this week's episode. Are you looking to extend the home birth support, encouragement, and education? Join us in our Facebook group, Happy Home Birth Podcast Community, and check us out on Instagram at Happy Home Birth Podcast.